Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. We'll start with this. There's an update of sorts, and I, I think I need to say of sorts, on the standoff between Jalen Ramsey and the Jacksonville Jaguars after a self-described heart-to-heart with his star corner. Jaguars owner Khan told The Street that he does believe Jalen Ramsey will play Sunday against the Saints. Ramsey has missed the last two games due to a back injury. The pro bowler did return to practice, albeit in a limited fashion, the last two days. Well, I think, uh, you know, he's going to be playing this week. So hopefully you'll tune in to uh, the Saints game. Um, but I think it's something, uh, you know, you got to balance what's good for the team with what the individual maybe wishes might be. And I think we'll be able to kind of formulate the, here. I met him a couple of days ago, had a heart-to-heart. And I think we'll be able to come to whatever makes sense for all. I got to ask, though, hypothetically, if they offered you five first-round picks to trade them, <laughs> would you do it? I, do you understand value? Yes. <laughs> Okay, then I think you already know the answer. All right, then there you go. We're going to start with Josina on this because you've been you've been tracking it day to day. What, if anything, has changed here with Jalen Ramsey and the team he currently plays for? Well, I was just told within the hour uh, by a source that, you know, Jalen Ramsey is still going to see uh, how his body feels as he has been doing and that nothing has changed with regards to his trade stance. So as I'm looking at that interview, um, I'm listening to an owner who is trying to be uh, cordial with the uh, interviewer. I'm certainly not taking away from the fact that Jalen Ramsey and the owner had a heart-to-heart. I would expect Jalen Ramsey to conduct himself professionally during that heart-to-heart as well. But what I feel like I've seen transpire over each of um, the last few weeks is one side trying to a little bit gradually put more pressure on the other side. You know, Khan made those comments last week basically saying that, you know, he feels like he should play and he's not going to trade him. And then Jalen Ramsey has basically maintained his stance by staying on the sidelines. The team recently tried to ask him or did ask him to have that back test, you know, just to kind of check him out and maybe put some things in the public as far as really uh, what they uh, maybe want to get as far as the input on that back injury. But as far as, like I said, even within the last hour, I've heard nothing has changed with regards to his. It's a tough spot, right? Because nobody knows what's going on in your body. It's difficult to say, hey, you don't have a back injury. Obviously, the timing is coincidental. But if his stance hasn't changed, team stance doesn't appear to have changed, Victor. Rob, we have ultimately it's a standoff. Yeah, it's definitely a standoff. And first and foremost, you want to make sure at least Jalen Ramsey does as an individual that he's healthy, that he's able to go out there and perform at the best of his ability before he goes out there on the football field. Now, his stance that hasn't changed, it's going to be interesting to see how the Jaguars handle this and how the GM and owners handle this situation because he does want out of Jacksonville. It's just a matter of how. How are you going to are you going to trade him? What, are the, what is the value? It's just they're in such a tough spot with Jalen Ramsey right now. It's tough to see where they go from here. Well, they're a better team with him, but ultimately you don't get the, the benefit of that roster spot. If he's on your team and he's not playing, mm-hmm. at some point it's sort of biting your nose off to spite your face in a lot of ways if he's not going to play. Yeah, Vic, and you know this. A back injury can be – a big question mark. You don't mm-hmm. know how long it could be to recover. You don't know what it lo- looks like in the future, yeah. having a back issue. So having that, another team might say, no, we're good. I don't want to mess with that. Or you, big, you sign a big contract, 
and you offer a big contract, but there's a back issue. So right now you need to figure out, okay, we need to get him healthy first and figure out where we're at. Well, but the then only, there's a the timeline thing, here yeah. that's it's coming to a close. And, 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 yes. and, and nothing is going to change. The Redskins are in a similar position right now with Trent Williams, who would rather stay on his couch than contribute to that franchise. It makes more sense to gather resources in exchange for the player who's not contributing on the field rather than to have this man-on-man, you know, macho-on-macho yeah. ego thing going on every week. It makes no sense. You're trying to make a point, but for what? Yeah. For what? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you at this point, Justin, mm-hmm. because you're just not getting the benefit in either direction. Either direction. Yeah. He also has to I, prove I, that I, he's healthy so that moving forward, he's no trade value if yeah. he's not yeah. healthy. Well, conversations that happen underneath the table, I'm yep. sure you know teams will understand what's going on. Again, we've got the Saints for the Jags on Sunday. The Giants and the Patriots, well, listen, it's been a close affair lately in their last five. That includes Super Bowls 42 and 46. They've been decided by four or fewer points. Brady inching closer to more history, only needing 18 passing yards tonight to pass Peyton Manning for second on the all-time passing list. And then there's Daniel Jones. Could be in for a rough night considering New England has reeled off an NFL record 18 straight wins against first or second-year starting quarterbacks. And, of course, he's a rookie. Danny Dimes will be missing a number of key offensive weapons. This won't help. Saquon Barkley, Wayne Gallman, Sterling Shepard, and Evan Ingram all out. The Patriots will not have wideout Philip Dorsett. And Julian Edelman still dealing with a chest injury. Josh Gordon has a knee problem. Both Edelman and Gordon, however, listed as questionable. We are joined now by Michelle Steele, who's already in Foxborough. And Michelle, let's start with that Patriots defense preparing for a Giants offense that really, let's be honest, is missing so many key playmakers. Yeah. Yeah, Wendy, to say that the Giants are shorthanded on offense might actually be an understatement. You know, I spoke with Patriots linebacker Kyle Van Noy and asked him how he prepares on a short week for so many new players and know so many new personnel. And he told me we have such a high level of trust in each other and a high level of trust in our coaching staff that, you know what, it kind of doesn't matter who's back there. And he might be right. Take a look at the stats through five games. Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, and Dante Hightower, they're part of a linebackers group that call themselves the Boogeymen. They have got nine sacks, 57 tackles through the first five weeks of this season. What he told me that is actually motivating them a lot today, well, if they come back with a win, their coaches have promised them some extra time off. So Daniel Jones, just want to let you know that you are the only thing that stands between the Boogeymen and Vacation. So might be a, a long day here. Wendy? That, that's certainly a motivation. And let's, let's stay with Daniel Jones and that offense for just a minute. What is wide receiver Golden Tate saying about the extra attention he's likely to get tonight? Yeah, you know what? He did miss the first four games of this season because of suspension. But he told me that his mindset is that he is ready for all of the opportunities he's going to be getting. And he will be getting them. Now, obviously, it's a short week. It's more of a mental week, not a physical one. So he's still building that chemistry with Daniel Jones. And he's checking in with him more. He's talking to him a lot more. They're watching film together. And he feels comfortable right now that they are seeing the same thing out there. Now, staying with the quarterback very quickly... Daniel Jones, welcome to the Northeast. Uh, They are expending a nor'easter here in New England. It's going to be rainy, windy, just miserable in general all day. Um, And this is the earliest that he's seen this kind of weather in the season. Daniel Jones, you're you're not a Duke anymore. Wendy. 
Now, Michelle, I was there this morning and the trees were bending over sideways. It's going to be a tough night in Foxborough, to be sure. Well, I've got the hat. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Patriots' pass defense, and you mentioned this, has just been incredible. The unit leads the NFL with 11 picks this season, all while holding opposing quarterbacks to the fewest yards per attempt. New England, the first team not to allow a touchdown pass in its first five games since 1988 when the Browns and Dolphins both achieved that. And what's interesting about you, Rob, of course, is that you played in a Bill Belichick defense for eight seasons. You know what he's capable of schematically. So as you've watched this unit in particular through these first five games, what have you seen? Just how multiple they are. And they can come at you a lot of different ways different guys in different positions and I see a lot of different positions coming after the quarterback working together and scheme but also one-on-one individually winning but I can't forget about the secondary too because if you watch the Buffalo game from the the week before the week prior the quarterback won 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000, 4, 1,000, 5, 1,000 See what happens when we let sack. him get up? Get so I don't like to control. say covered sack because as a D lineman, I'll take any sack I can get. <laughs> you know I like that party at the quarterback, although the, the quarterback wants no part of the party. No, and yeah. I just well, nowadays, nowadays the quarterback's like, this ain't so bad. That was the smoothest <laughs> analysis I've seen in a green suit. Listen, I promised Steve Young would be with us. And Steve, uh, let's, let's switch the script here and talk quarterbacks. Listen. You know what? Daniel Jones facing a top-flight defense for the second straight week. He is on the road. The weather will be bad. He's got an undermanned offense. What do you tell him uh, to be successful? You tell him this is the best opportunity you've had so far and maybe for a long time to speak to the nation about who Daniel Jones is. Everybody expects a complete flat line. And if you can show that you are not the reason that this team loses, if you can show that you can stand up and make a few plays and create some space and be ahead of the game and, and uh, show some artwork. You know, we are talking talk about quarterbacks, arts and science, and the art of just trying to create some, some opportunities, drive the ball down the field. I mean, people are going to expect so little tonight that if Daniel Jones can stand up and look like somebody who can get something done, and you can glean through a lot of disaster and see a guy that actually gets it that can figure this stuff out, that can has the three-dimensional, you know, calculus, three-dimensional chess that can get things done. So in my mind, there's a lot to learn tonight about Daniel Jones, a perfect opportunity to make huge strides in the perception game around the country. Listen, I hope he heard. I'm motivated, Steve. I, I don't know. Speak to the nation. I mean, I like it. And you know what? You're <laughs> absolutely yeah, he's, he's right, uh, because no one expects Daniel Jones or the Giants to go into Foxborough and even make any noise whatsoever. This Victor. is a huge game for Daniel Jones, not just for him as an individual and as a player, but I think for him as that team, as that leader of that, of that team, as a quarterback on that team, he's going to see fronts that he's never seen before. He's going to see different coverages. He's going to see disguises that he's never seen before. They're going to have those guys up there on third down, that whole defensive line, linebackers right about the line of scrimmage thinking that they're going to blitz. Are they going to drop back in coverage? Is one guy coming? Are three guys coming? This is perfect for Daniel Jones to get in there and do what he needs to do and understand that it's going to be a mental game for him. He's going to have to make changes, make decisions at the line of scrimmage that he probably hasn't done to this magnitude thus far. And they're going to put a lot of onus on him this week to be that playmaker. And if that offensive line is able to keep him upright and keep him in that pocket and keep him clean, 
easier said than done, he's going to have opportunities to get the ball downfield to some playmakers that we probably aren't used to seeing or some names that we aren't used to hearing. Uh, but Golden Tate's going to be the focal point of that offense this week, at least from the perimeter uh, perspective. Well, keeping him clean is easier said than done, especially against this group, JoJo. And that's part of the challenge of tonight. Well, I think it's very interesting because obviously without Saquon and last week Hilleman having 20 rush yards and Penny having 15, I mean, this is an opportunity, as we were talking about in the green room, for the Patriots D-line to just unleash. So I want to see when they can just basically key on him with that pass rush and he doesn't have the outlet of the, of the defenders having to back off as a result of the running backs being there, exactly how he will orchestrate this offense. Because when you talk to the players on the Giants, all they talk about is the fact that you never see him struggle when, he, when it comes to calling plays in the huddle, changing and making the checks at the line of scrimmage. So now when all of those extra, you know, cushions and crutches are not there, can you still orchestrate it the same way? I would also say that defensively, when you're going against a young quarterback, you're going to come after him and you're going to want to get after him a lot. All game, Mm -hmm. every third down, I would anticipate some type of Load the box, all-out blitz. See if he can communicate to the receivers. Bill Belichick has absolutely had its way with young quarterbacks. There's no question. And, again, if you're joining us, the weather will be tough in Foxborough tonight. Hmm. The Cowboys' offense exploded in the first three weeks, largely because he had the NFL's easiest schedule. After scoring over 32 points in his first three games, the Cowboys' offense has come back down to earth. Turnovers have done them in, and Dak Prescott's QBR 35 points lower than where it was the first three weeks. Here's Ed Warder and the Cowboys. Well, Wendy, in their two-game losing streak, Dak Prescott has four interceptions, and Ezekiel Elliott and Jason Witten both lost fumbles. The Dallas defense created one takeaway, meaning the Cowboys are minus five in turnover ratio against the only two quality opponents they've played. And while Jason Garrett would like to eliminate the turnovers, the head coach doesn't question the judgment of a quarterback who has usually shown good judgment and rarely put the ball in jeopardy. One reason that Prescott's interception total seems to be rising is the Cowboys are pushing the ball down the field more. But with that approach comes an increased risk, as we've seen. The Cowboys played against the Packers without left tackle Tyron Smith and finished it without right tackle Lyle Collins as well. Garrett doesn't expect either to practice today, but said both are progressing in the rehab, suggesting they could practice tomorrow and potentially play against the Jets on Sunday when the Cowboys seek to win their fourth game of the season, all against winless opponents. Edward, thank you. Time now for Cruise Control. We put our, our, our buddy Victor Cruise here. Get I mean, what is this? Driver's seat. What is this? This is yeah. fire. Oh, wait. Oh, <laughs> what is this? Standing by this your is, Porsche that's legit. outside in the ESPN parking lot? He's got to tell us the road here. Aston Martin music. Let's get into it, guys. You want to get into it. Okay. We're ready, Victor. All right, how about this? We'll start with this. This is the NFC East here. The road you travel, if I say who's in the driver's seat here is it the Cowboys or the Eagles well I'm going with the Eagles here and flat out because I trust Carson Wentz over Dak Prescott right now I just think Carson Wentz and his intangibles and his receiving core I know Deshaun Jackson's still coming back from injury but I think he just has the most weapons and he's the most he's the quarterback that I trust the most if things go awry and now to the get it done. Wow. See what I did there? Oh, like, oh I got a couple Eagles fly. out there right. for you. A couple Eagles out there for you. So but I'm going Jack with the Eagles game, and Carson Wentz. Yeah. Two bad games. The, okay, okay. <laughs> and, and, and let's be clear, they I did have one. the, the league's one. easiest one. schedule, Thank as you. I mentioned. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Bigger up. impact here in I'm this great. Chiefs and Texans game. There's no question you have to look at the quarterback. So is it Patrick Mahomes 
or Deshaun Watson. Picked, by the way, two spots apart in that 2017 draft. See, this is a tough one for me. Obviously, both of these guys are phenomenal quarterbacks, and they both do so much for their football team. You see how I'm setting it up here, Rob? But I'm going with Deshaun what? For this game, let's be clear. It's for this game. this game. Oh, he yes. The rocket ship is back. Rocket ship is back. Okay. Look, Mahomes is coming off a little angle tweet. Deshaun Watson is coming off. Let me read it for you guys. 426 passing yards and five touchdowns with a rating of 158. Against? Doesn't matter. He's putting up numbers <laughs> like that in the okay. NFL, period. Uh-huh. I just think he's on a hot streak right now. I think that offense is playing out of their minds. I think uh, I think he understands what is being asked of him as a quarterback for that football team. A lot is placed on his shoulders, and he's responding. Not that Pat Mahomes isn't, but I'm going with Deshaun Watson. Well, they're protecting him just a little bit they better, are. which they is are. incredibly That was important. always the key in Houston, yeah. is keeping it's him upright. No, no, keeping no him question. You do realize Patrick Mahomes Pinko? said that he still you know, can do what he does on his – ankle and practice and all that other stuff. I'm, Deshaun I'm, Watson, his ankle is healthy and ready to go. I, I, okay. okay. So, <laughs> please, I'm, I'm, please. Go ahead. Go ahead. The Giants play the pass to that tonight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you on this. There he is. <laughs> it's just here tonight. It's just, just tonight. Just uh, this week. Oh, he's, okay. He's, he's dealing with an week. ankle. You ever have a high ankle? Yes. They, they are, suck. They it's okay. stink. Yes. They suck. Make sure you just have your phone tonight to pass Trying to make his way back. All right, look. File this under. Somebody's got to win. At least we think so. Oh. Okay. There's always the tie, but that, just rule that out. All right, ready? Road, road, let's go. Oh, this is oh we're already there. All we're already here. Okay. We're already 0 here. 5 Redskins, 0-4 Dolphins. I'm going Who gets with, their first win? I'm going with, let's go with, do they have a guard? I don't know where I'm going. I'm going here. I'm going here. Look, yeah, what, what, they got to show some strength. Okay. They have to show You're really some resolve. You're really getting creative today. They have to go out and understand that a lot's been talked about about this football team. Nothing nothing of it has been positive. Obviously, they just lost their head coach. They have to come out and show some passion and show that they want to play in this league and they want to play in the NFL. And I think the players will take care of that. And I think the Redskins come out with a victory. Guess what? Mm. Guess what? Mm. Oh, here we go. One mm. team oh, he's using mm. still has a head coach. <laughs> I'm pretty sure our new house might be haunted. What makes you say that? The furniture is levitating. Oh, and the ghost. Welcome home. Yeah, that's that's spooky. You know what's really scary? Missing out on GEICO for help with homeowners and renters insurance. GEICO makes it easy to save a bunch. Great. Uh, you're not sticking around, right? The party's just getting started. <laughs> Happy geico Call today and see how easy homeowners and renters insurance can be. Daniel Jones makes his fourth career start, hoping to bounce back from a rough go against a strong Vikings D last week. At 22, he has a chance to become the second youngest quarterback to defeat a Bill Belichick-coached team. He's very athletic. He's um, mobile. I wouldn't say he's, you know, just go back and start running, but if he needs to run, if the protection breaks down or if there's an opening there, he gets outside the pocket, um, he can cause a lot of damage with his, his speed and his ability to extend plays, but he's a very accurate quarterback and has good poise. He's shown good toughness in the pocket. He's been hit a few times, but he just stands in there and you know, can keep ripping it. So he's been impressive. We'll take a look now at the Modelo Gold Standard stat. We just mentioned it, but young quarterbacks can't seem to win in New England since the Brady Belichick era began in 01, starting quarterbacks under 25 are, wow, 0 and 27 on the road. Against the Patriots, the 23 different quarterbacks have lost those 27 games by an average of 15 points. So they say misery loves company. Those young quarterbacks certainly have some. 
Uh, not the case, though, with our intrepid Patriots reporter, Michael Roos, who joins us from Foxborough. Uh, it's going to be windy and wet, Mike, but no stone unturned there for Bill Belichick. How does he get these guys ready to play in that weather? Oh, well, Wendy, you know how on NFL Live we do some of those on-field demos back in the studio? Well, we're going to do one here at Gillette Stadium, and I think Rob Ninkovich might be able to fact-check me. All you need is a football. I got my 100-year football here and a water (laughs) bottle. And I want to tell you, Wendy, what I've seen every year of Bill Belichick's 20 years as Patriots coach. They're at practice, and all of a sudden we're going to make this our line of scrimmage. The ball's about to be snapped, and Bill Belichick comes running in, and he's going to douse that football with water. Right? He wants the players to snap a wet football. He wants, them, he wants them to throw it. He wants them to catch it, to kick it. Right? And so it's for situations like tonight. Rob Ninkovich, you tell me, did, doesn't Bill Belichick tell players when you hold that football in your hands, you hold the fate of the football team in your hands tonight? That's especially important in these conditions. All right, Mike. You know what? Here, here's the problem, Rob. So, somewhere, Sal Powell is, is reworking his whole prop game for the weekend. <laughs> you have seriously, you have seriously raised the bar. Uh, but Rob, do you recall? Is that the case? Bill does this. Yeah, I mean, I was a long snapper, and I was the backup, and I've actually snapped in a regular season game in Green Bay. So before the game, during the week, I would be ready to snap the the punt snap or the field goal snap, and all of a sudden, I just feel my hands soaking wet because he'd walk up, he'd spray the ball. That's say, it. it might rain. It might rain today, Rob. And it might like, rain. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's incredible. It might rain today. All right, so, it might rain. Listen, so it is going to rain today. It's going to rain tonight. It's gonna rain. Mike, put okay. the hairspray on. It's going to be windy. All right. Uh, how about this, too, Mike? Tom Brady said this week he studies young quarterbacks like Daniel Jones. Uh, why? I, I mean, I, I, why does he do that, given his experience? Well, you know what? His answer, Wendy, was that he likes to know his competition. And when I went to one of his best friends on the team, Matthew Slater, he presented another theory. He said Tom Brady probably likes to get that chip on his shoulder, and he likes to prove something when he gets some of the young bucks coming in to Gillette Stadium. And there was a touchdown pass that he made Sunday against the Redskins that sort of illustrates how he's still keeping up with the young guys. He sort of rolls right out of the pocket as the pressure comes up the middle and Bill Belichick does this weekly film breakdown on the team's website and he said look people don't talk about Tom Brady's athleticism but this is pocket quickness that was Bill Belichick on Tom Brady on that touchdown pass a great example of how Brady at 42 keeping up with the young guys like the 22 year old Daniel Jones it's incredible all right can we get it one more time going away a little more dousing you got any more water let's, let's see yeah I want to see one more time look at Form there it here. Is. Okay, there we go. All That's right. Frantic. Mike's frantic. <laughs> yeah, it's frantic dousing. Michael, nobody does it better. Thank you. Uh, good luck tonight. Stay dry. Uh, as we say hello from our Domino's pregame headquarters, uh, Victor, uh, you know, he's right. Nobody does talk about Tom Brady's athleticism, but they certainly talk about his rings. Uh, what have you seen year in and year out that could pose potential problems for this Giants offense? Well, first of all, or the, this fa- Giants team, the fact say. that he's looking at Daniel Jones' tape and he's picking things from it and he just. He's creating an edge for himself, even at the you know the tender age of 40 plus years old. He's still finding that edge and still wants to be better than the new guy on the block, right? I think that's just something to be said about Tom Brady. And as far as the football is concerned, I think Tom Brady, especially that offense, has a has a tendency to every series they got something new they're throwing at you. Every series when you when they give Julian Edelman the ball on four out of the you know 10 play drive and you think you got that you know picked up. 
when you got Josh Gordon on the next drive, they're giving him the ball three, four times throughout that drive in that series. Like, just when you think you got a beat on what they're trying to do, they switch it up on you and, you, and you're back off balance and you don't understand what's coming. They can run the football if they wanted to. They can morph into any football team they want to be, at least offensively. And that is just difficult for off or defenses to pick up on when you're playing the Patriots. They are so adaptable, Rob. But if you had to pick an Achilles heel, if you will, tonight for this Patriots offense, what would it be? Well, it'd have to be the offensive line, just some of the injuries that they've had to deal with. Uh, losing David Andrews, your starting center, for the last four years, you know, he's been a rock there. And then the center is the most important piece of the offensive line. They tell everyone else where to go. Um, so when you see some of these plays of Tom under some, uh, some pressure and the low red here throwing an interception um, versus the Redskins, it, it's just some pressure is applied to Tom, and I feel like he gets a little bit, oh, I need to get rid of the ball. I don't want to take some of these unnecessary hits. And you see him make some inaccurate throws. So I think that the offensive line so far this year has had to deal with some injuries, um, and that's probably the one area of concern, especially going into a short week. You're playing a, a team that you don't, you're not really familiar with, and um, you, know, you have to stop their front. They have guys that are going to pass rush. I think what's interesting is that even though the Giants' offense is missing so many pieces coming into this matchup tonight, when I walked into the Giants' locker room uh, last week, you recognize that the composition of the team has changed so much. But even just looking at that secondary with Antoine Bethea, Janoris Jenkins, and Jabril Peppers, who Bethea was telling me is kind of like the personality that's secondary now in the absence of Collins, you realize that these guys still have a lot of energy and fire. And Janoris Jenkins still wants to get in there, ball hawk, you know, just like he did with, uh, against Richardson in the uh, game against the Redskins when he was able to get that uh, pick. And Jabril Pepper still wants to set the tone with this talking and his personalities. And Antoine Bethea is like that OG back in the secondary. So even though it's a short week, it just reminded me that you still have veterans in there that still want to go in there and prove something and make their mark regardless of who's in or who's out. No, that secondary's definitely got some swagger in that <laughs> locker room. That's for sure. So they're going to have to play big in this game and try to confuse Tom Brady when he's back there in that pocket mm-hmm. so that they can be opportunistic and create turnover. Yeah, and no quarterback wants you in their face, even if you are Tom Brady. That's just nope. sort of how it works exactly. out. Let's talk a minute about a former Patriots quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, having a heck of a season so far, rebounding from a torn ACL that cut his 2018 season short. Jimmy G has the Niners off to their first 4-0 start since 1990. They are in the driver's seat in the NFC West, which they won in 2012 when they reached the Super Bowl. And so now we go back to our quarterback, Steve Young, for some QB Q&A. And we will start with Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Steve, is he a championship caliber quarterback? He sure seems like it. But then again, you have to prove it. And I think like any, you talk about some fancy car like a Lamborghini, like these famous, these really great quarterbacks, you can pick the, the analogy of what kind of car they are. But what Jimmy, I'm, I'm worried about, he's got to prove to me that when things get difficult, whether it's fourth quarter, whether it's the end of, you know, end of game or drive, which he did a nice job against Pittsburgh, is that he starts to leak oil, and I see mistakes come out. And as the pressure mounts, as they're 4-0, 5-0, 6-0, it'll be interesting to see how he handles all that. Jared Goff struggling this year, six picks the last three games. What's the key Sunday against that San Fran defense you saw Monday night? Yeah, so he's got to be careful that he gets – he needs help. I don't want him dropping back 65 times a game. I don't trust him in the pocket when it's just him and everybody's teeing off. The ball flies out, the ball falls to the ground, and I don't like it. So he needs to have a running game. And if it's not going to be Todd Gurley, then get, get a tandem of guys to give him a running game so he can go play action and people are open down the field. 
And Russell Wilson, an MVP candidate, truly through five weeks. What's been most impressive, Steve? Everything. Everything <laughs> about what a quarterback is supposed to be. Everything about what it takes to be great. All the aspects of the game, whether it's in the locker room, on the field, in fourth quarter, first quarter, with your legs, with your arm. I mean, honestly, he, he is underappreciated. And it's, we really need to see him as one of the great quarterbacks, not just of this generation, but of all time the way he's playing. It's time to appreciate the greatness of Russell Wilson. Incredible, really. Number one overall pick, Kyler Murray, finally in the win column. How does he bounce off that performance moving forward? Well, I want to see, you know, the, the, the offense is really side to side. You're seeing, you're seeing a little bit right there. You know, and I want to see it tip front to back a little bit where we can get more aggressive. I think he can throw the ball down the field and be more. The whole team needs to be more aggressive and give him some shots to make big plays. And obviously he's done a decent job of it. And he's under duress. Like Daniel Jones tonight, under duress. I think Kyler Murray has shown himself pretty well. Happy 50th birthday to none other than Brett Favre. 20 years ago today on his 30th birthday, the Hall of Fame quarterback had one of the great game-winning throws this last minute, 21-yard touchdown pass to Antonio Freeman against the Bucks. It has been a career for Favre, who was the first player in NFL history to throw 500 touchdown passes. His Ironman streak, 297 consecutive starts, the longest by a quarterback all time. He also won three straight NFL MVPs from 95 to 97, sharing that distinction with Barry Sanders in 97. He also played for the Jets. JoJo, remember that briefly? Yeah, all right then. (laughs) So they announced that quarterback Sam Darnold is cleared to play. He will start this week against the Cowboys. He's been out since week two with mono. Here is Adam Gase today on the health of his quarterback. Your online has to be sharp regardless. Does it even more so concerning what Sam has been through and everything like that? I mean, I know he's cleared, but you you don't want to yeah, I mean, he should be good. We should, we should not have him dying on the field. So we need, we need, we need to do a better job protecting the quarterback, and we need to get the ball out on time. We need to run the right routes. It's got to be all of us. Got to be the right play call. We have to do a better job as an entire unit, and that will help the quarterback. The Panthers have headed across the pond for the first time in franchise history, arriving at London's Heathrow Airport earlier this morning. Carolina taking on the NFC South rival Bucks Sunday at London's Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And our Panthers reporter David Newting tweeting from London, NFL rushing leader Christian McCaffrey listed as a full participant in Thursday's practice. This was after he did not practice on Wednesday. Eric Reed limited with an ankle injury. But Reed told me or told David he'd be ready for Sunday. Same for Shaq Thompson, also dealing with an ankle injury. Dante Jackson, who missed the last two games, remains on target to return from a groin injury. Another running back having a pretty good start, Dalvin Cook. He trails only the aforementioned McCaffrey in both rushing yards and scrimmage yards this season. The Vikings offense got rolling last week against the Giants as Kirk Cousins noticeably managed to get Adam Thielen involved. 130 receiving yards. And two touchdowns. What's better than flowers, JoJo? Mm. Touchdowns. The touchdowns. football. Don't send flowers. Or Just, coffee. Or yeah, tea. or coffee. Uh, that's right. 
or snacks, which we don't have, as we say hello, cup of Joe now. And let's start with the Vikings uh, and that offense who seemed to get back on track last week. Well, it's funny because right before the game against the Giants, the Vikings coach came up to me and said, as long as we get Stephon Diggs a couple of balls, I'm sure he'll be happy. I didn't literally know he was just going to get three receptions for 44 yards. So I asked Dalvin Cook, do you think Diggs can be happy even when you are the second leading receiver and you actually have more targets than him? And he said, listen, even when I'm beasting on combo yards and I have more targets even in the receiving game than Stephon Diggs, the fact that you can't just play me with the linebacker and you have to cheat a safety, I feel like actually opens more opportunities for Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. He said, listen, you just got to realize Stephon Diggs is the interesting person. You have to get to know him. And he genuinely wants people to have success. But a Viking source told me, regardless of whether Diggs is happy or not, we're not bending our playbook to do whatever. We're going to do what needs to be done to win. But my personal feeling after listening to Diggs in the uh, post-game presser is that he's not necessarily happy with his individual contribution, but wants to fulfill his role as a role player. Okay, fair enough. That's mm-hmm. that's half the battle. <laughs> uh, I mentioned the Panthers are in London. The Raiders were in London last week, got the big win over Chicago. So uh, what what have the Bears said since? Well, I talked to Prince Amukamara over the phone, and even though the Bears came into that game against the Raiders with the second-best scoring defense, they still gave up 24 points to the Raiders. So I asked Amukamara, were you guys just you know feeling yourselves coming into this game? He said, listen, the Raiders have one of the best first 15 scripted plays in the league, okay, with their play design and their tempo. He said what it was is that our third-ranked rush defense just gave up way too many rush yards. I believe it was 169, and what he felt like hurt them was the fact that Akeem Hicks got hurt in the first quarter with that elbow injury. So he said what we really obviously need to do is to seal up on our run. We can't have that. And he feels like although the Saints, which is the team that they have coming out of the bye, will probably use that game as a blueprint, that they will be able to recover. And lastly, I asked him, do you guys still believe in Mitchell Trubisky? And he said, first of all, Mitchell Trubisky's uh, confidence is at an all-time high. What fans need to do is be patient. Remember the sixth touchdown game that he had against Tampa Bay last we go year, like this, don't we? Okay, <laughs> and realize that he can still have great performances like that when he's fully healthy and he comes back. Okay, meanwhile, the one team we've seen make a cho- ch- uh, coaching change, I should mm-hmm. say, the Redskins, and with that, Bill Callahan took over as interim head coach. He mentioned that he was going to change things up from a mm-hmm. practice perspective right from the outset, and yeah. I believe he did. Yes, and I talked to a Redskins player this morning right before they went into their morning meetings, and I said, what has changed under Bill Callahan? He said, first of all, we're a lot more detailed. I felt like practice was more structured yesterday. He said one of the things that we did is we added more team periods but had lesser, uh, fewer plays in those team periods to focus more on situations like first down, second down, having it be more run specific, having a competition period. He said we're definitely going to run the ball more so that it's something that you will see against the Dolphins. The other thing he said is that Bill Callahan is taking a little bit of a step back in meetings. He's letting his assistant coaches do what they're hired to do and not micromanage as much as they saw when Gruden was there. And lastly, I said, well, what will be the difference uh, with this other quarterback since Haskins is not starting. And what do you feel about that? Uh, this player said that what they understand about Haskins is that Callahan is going to try to tailor a specific menu for him that he can feel comfortable with. And once he's mastered that, have him come in shortly and show that he can handle that and not hold on to the ball as much and have to, you know, be back there with his reads because he's not as comfortable. Right, which is a smart play, right? Find mm-hmm. a plan. Coach. Find the things. Right, coach. Find coach. the things Develop. that work for him. Yes. And then put him in this Imagine position that. to succeed. Yes, there you go. There you go. Uh, one of those teams, by the way, we believe we'll get their first win of the season. Mm. Mm. 
Free agent wide receiver Antonio Brown reiterated again he'd like to continue to play in the NFL. He was cut by the Patriots in September, less than two weeks after he was signed for a minimum $9 million offer, also cut by the Raiders. Here's A.B. talking about the Patriots. You guys are having a beautiful day. Yeah, you guys follow the Patriots, tell them call me. They still got to pay me, so might as well let me earn it. Well, it's actually it's undisputed whether they have to pay him, JoJo, and they're in line the rub, I believe. Yeah, I mean, first of all, just listening to Antonio Brown and the tone in his voice, when you think about all the craziness that was going on the first three weeks, every day, every weekend with the headline with A.B., it does sound like the, the volume in his life is turning down a little bit and sometimes quiet and silence with respect to having 90,000 fans yelling and screaming and you being used to that week in and week out uh, is good. And, and hopefully things are settling to the point, you know, where eventually some perspective will uh, sit down because absolutely um, I, I don't think the Patriots are thinking about Antonio Brown in terms of trying to bring him back. Um, I, I'm pretty sure after the comments that were made on Twitter that the owner is not uh, going out of his way so. to try to, you know, compensate him. So it's best uh, for both sides to try to uh, move on outside of this grievance. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, moving on, Raiders linebacker Vontez Perfect, at least in the short term, his season-long suspension upheld yesterday. Appeals officer Derek Brooks ruled he would not reduce the longest suspension ever handed down for an on-field infraction. His 12-game suspension, by the way, it includes the postseason, for his helmet-to-helmet hit is the longest in NFL history for something that happened on the field. He's been suspended two other times for violating player safety rules and then missed four games for performance-enhancing drugs in 2018. Since 2012, Perfect's been fined nearly $470,000, has the most unnecessary roughness penalties in the NFL, and ultimately uh, the arbitrator decided that the the season-long suspension Victor was warranted. I agree. I think when you look at his priors and you look at the way he plays the game and the things that he's already been, um, you know, convicted of, I guess, if you will, in the NFL, um, this, the, the way that he plays the game and the way that he tries to inflict pain and, and injury on other players, I don't like it. And I just it has no room in the league for it. There's no room in the NFL for it. There's no room on his own perspective team for it. And I think the suspension was upheld and I think it was the right thing to do. Look. This guy has been an, infra- an infraction after infraction, you know, basically taking away the, the, the guy's ability to play the game of football, injuring guys, concussing people. You know, he turned the ankle of Cam Newton after a tackle one play. Like just certain things that don't belong in the game. And I think that's what the NFL is seeing. And that's why this suspension was indeed upheld. I, I disagree with the season-long ban. Um, this particular play... He's going after somebody with the football, and as a defensive player, you're taught get the guy with the football, tackle the guy with the football, and and you can slow things down, and you can, you know, make it go frame by frame to where you're like, well, look at the helmet, and look at how he's turning it. But in reality, this this game is re- is very fast, and when you're on the field, everybody's a tremendous athlete, and you don't know where they're going, how they're going to react when they catch the football. Um, so I think that but that doesn't some of the previous stepping on people, turning guys. Some of the after previous tackles. plays away from the football are a hundred percent. You don't want that in the game of football. More egregious in your estimation. More egregious. But when the ball is there, and I'm going to make 
a tackle or try and put a hit. It's, this game was built on violence and, and getting after the middle of the field. Linebackers are taught, like, patrol the middle of the field. Make sure that if anyone comes in there, you're setting the tone and you're trying to win these games through being having receivers and, and crossing routes. Like, hey, I don't really want to run that five-yard shallow cross anymore because I'm, this guy's going to light me up. But now the game has changed. I understand that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that they shouldn't change it and they're, they're, there's no room for hits like this. But in, the, in this particular situation, even Doyle said, like, I don't think he should be suspended for the season. So, you know, when the guy that's receiving the hit is saying, I don't think he should be suspended for the rest of the season, I could maybe understand why he's coming because I'm, you know, maybe my knee's down, I'm trying to run up the field. There's so many different things that could, that, could, that could change. Say he doesn't go in there and he gets up and runs for a touchdown, then the defender is like, well, well I just think it's the way he plays the game. When you look at the hit on Antonio Brown, he led with his shoulder directly at his helmet, which led him to be concussed on the ground. When you look at the tackle against Cam Newton, he was, after the tackle, specifically grabbed his ankle and turned it after the play. And then he stepped on somebody else after. Like, these are all infractions that are things that he's doing that describe him describe his character as a player. This is who he is. And he continues to do it over and over and over again. And that backstory is what led the NFL to create, you know, to upheld this uh, suspension. So as we are looking at this montage of uh, past plays, this was 2015 that you were looking at mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. And you're bringing up his history. You know what matters is context and time. Okay. So the things that you're bringing up happened a while ago. And so what, hold on, what I'm asking is for this discussion mm-hmm. is, does it, does it matter that, you know, people have the opportunity to evolve and change? Because what you're essentially saying is as a result of everything he already done, mm-hmm. if there was just one more hit that was even a 50-50 call, bam, he should just lose 75% of his salary. When, as Rob Ninkovich brought up, the player himself who was receiving the hit didn't feel like it was, you know, that egregious of a a hit. Not to mention also that since the regular season has started, we've seen hits that seem like they're even worse, whether it be Earl Thomas on Mason Rudolph, whether it be uh, Jonathan Jones on Josh Allen, and yet there's not even a mention of any game uh, or suspension. So I'm just saying context matters. The ability to evolve matters, right? Just because the player player is saying that, oh, it's all good, it's the video of it, him leading with his head, flailing his arms after the tackle. Yes, the player might not have been injured or felt it was okay. It's how it looks and the priors yes that tech that one tackle we saw was in 2015 cool and sometimes things look worse than what they are i because mean they all, people then, thought rudolph was basically energy, done with his, his life after, after that leaving <laughs> his energy waving at the fans but that's after his the play ener- we don't know what the fans were saying i mean that, matter? those are some doesn't of the matter. you just got kicked out of up. the game have some humility ha- understand why you're getting kicked out go off the field and and discuss it later figure does it, it out does it matter later. to you that john gruden and Derek carr spoke up during the appeal this is what you know and they said they feel like They've, he's done what they've asked him to do in terms of well, changing, being a team captain, being a great. peacemaker, those types of things. In, in fairness, though, they do make their team better. So I, I, I think that has to be taken with a little bit of grain and salt, mm-hmm. grain of salt. But I do know they came out sort of swinging. Well, they didn't if have you will. to speak. Yeah. No, they, they didn't. Have to but speak. They, John Gruden would like his player on the field. I mean, there's, there's no of question course. about so that. Here's what we know at, at this calls. point: that suspension <laughs> was upheld. He will not, to Josina's point, <laughs> be paid. 
And it does include the postseason. So that, that's where we landed. That's where the NFL landed, and it, it isn't going to change. All right, listen, let's talk a little bit more about the Giants because Daniel Jones in his first NFL start had a lot of big-time offensive weapons at his disposal. Not the case right now. Elijah Penny and Jonathan Hillman expected to split carries, and the top wideout on the depth chart will be Golden Tate. Here's our Giants reporter Jordan Renan on what Daniel Jones is up against tonight in Foxborough. Thanks, Wendy. Daniel Jones has his work cut out for him tonight. The Giants are set to be the largest underdogs in franchise history since the merger, and for good reason. Since 2001, when Bill Belichick and Tom Brady came into the picture, quarterbacks ages 25 and under are 0-27 in the regular season at Foxborough. Now, Jones, he has history with Tom Brady, even though Brady might not realize it. Jones was six years old when Brady and the Patriots won their second Super Bowl by beating the Carolina Panthers. That was Jones' favorite team growing up, and he told me last week he was heartbroken. Now he has a chance to go against Brady and produce his own Eli Magic. Back to you, Wendy. Incredible, Jordan. Thank you. Six starts, including the playoffs, Tom Brady. Three three against the Giants. All right, then. G-Man, one of five teams in Brady's career that he's 500 or worse against. The only team with a winning record against Brady are the Broncos. They are 8-9 and nine against the six-time Super Bowl champ. All right, Adam Schefter tweeting about tonight's game. Patriots running back Rex Burkhead not expected to play tonight against the Giants. No Burkhead. Also out is Philip Dorsett. Bengals wide receiver A.J. Green continuing to recover from ankle injury. This was back in July, but you can see video here. He's running. He's cutting. He is back at practice. He also said he was prepared for anything when referencing a trade and said a trade would not change who he was. He would still play and still be A.J. Matthew Berry here now on the cusp of week six. We're going to talk fantasy, love, hate, and we always start Glass half full. Who you love this week, matchup-wise? Yes, of course. Love and hate always about the matchups, Wendy. And I'll tell you right now, carry on Johnson. Monday Night Football right here on ESPN. We know the way to beat the Packers is on the ground. They allow 5.16 yards per carry. That's third most in the NFL. And then you think about how much he's being used. Since week three, 73% of the Detroit Lions running back carries have gone to carry on Johnson. I expect him a big game as the Lions try to take that Lambeau Field crowd out of it on Monday night. How about Mohamed Sanu, who very quietly leads all the Falcons wide receivers in receptions this season? Not Calvin Ridley, not Julio Jones. It's Mo Sanu, who has at least five catches in four or five games. And then you think about this matchup against Arizona, who really struggled defending the slot where Sanu lines up most of the time. Third most receptions allowed, third most yards allowed, tied for the second most touchdowns allowed, two slot receivers. A big day coming for Mo Sanu on Sunday against Arizona. And the quarterback he's facing could also have a very good day. That's right. Kyler Murray is one of only three quarterbacks to score at least 16 fantasy points in all five weeks this season. You see him running there, and that's one of the nice things is we starting to use his legs. Last three weeks, he has 189 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. That keeps his fantasy floor high. Two bad defenses, two good offenses. Expect a lot of fireworks he between the Falcons run. and the Cardinals. Yes, he can run, too. That's, of course, the, the part of the threat. Yeah. All right, matchups. Who's going to fall short of expectations, yeah, if you will? Players I'm not crazy about this week, Wendy. I appreciate that as well. And we start with Joe Mixon of the Cincinnati Bengals. We saw the footage earlier of A.J. Green, his teammate. Look, Mixon playing against the Cincinnati Bengals for a Bengals team that honestly just has a really – Poor offensive line. They're really struggling. They're averaging the third fewest yards per rush before first contact. 
they're they're double-digit underdogs on the road at Baltimore. My expectation is, is they fall behind here and they have to use more Giovanni Bernard, who, by the way, has run more routes than Mixon so far this year. Marquise Brown, weirdly enough, the Bengals have taken out the number one wide receiver uh, on the opposite team. It's entire, as bad as their defense is, they allow the second fewest receptions per game and they scheme to take away the, the, the uh, opponent's top playmaker. Lockett, Kittle, John Brown, Juju have all struggled against the Bengals, believe it or not. And then finally, Carson Wentz. Look, last four weeks, just a little over 200 passing yards per game. Three straight games with under 20 completions per game. That's not all his fault. He's been plagued by drops. There's been some injuries in the, in the pass catchers there, but the Vikings allow the fourth fewest yards per pass attempt so far this season. So, again, Carson Wentz, very good NFL quarterback, but have him just outside my top ten for the week. Matthew, very well done as always. The Fantasy Show. Don't forget to check it out on ESPN+. Plus. Come on over. We have a lot of fun. Matthew Berry on Sunday. Matthew, you can find Matthew Berry everywhere. Okay? <laughs> he's just he's ubiquitous, this Matthew Berry. So, thank you. We're glad you're with us. Time now for making smarter decisions informed by IBM Watson. Daniel Jones will not have some of his top weapons. No Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, or Evan Ingram. So, here comes Golden Tate. He has a projected ceiling of nearly 20 fantasy points according to IBM Watson. All right, a look at how our Thursday night picks are going. Mm. I, this never uh, gets I'm old. On the board. I'm never on the gets board. old. Uh-oh. Uh, look I'm at on the me board, at the baby. top. But anyway, like, uh, well, you know, we don't need to talk about let's, that. Let's, let's move on. Okay, here. we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> listen, Steve Young already picked. He picked the Patriots 41-14, so noted. JoJo. I just want to say that last week, <laughs> the Rams did way better than all y'all thought they were yeah, going to do. I and if it wasn't for a ghost call on Slay Matthews, I'm going with the Patriots winning 31 17. Okay. Tonight's your night, JoJo. Okay, Tonight's I'm, your night. I'm going to go now. I'm going Patriots 27 <laughs> 7. It's going to be windy, rainy, cold. New York, just, they just want to go back home. I'm going with it the is Patriots, 32-14. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just got to be smart about that. Hey, I saw some about that. Can I saw some? <laughs> oh. I hope Daniel Jones has a great game. I'll I, I leave just, it there. I don't see as great. much scoring as I'm everybody sad. else, but certainly I think New England probably prevails here, 24-17. See, I see the Giants are going to get in that rainy weather. It's not actually going to be uh, extremely chilly. But cooler and windy and rainy and See if he wears a glove or something. See if he has a Yeah, the kicking game could be critical. How was that big crease again? Next, everybody. How are you weak? How was it there? Go away with the salsa. In the green. Early green. What are you doing here? Jeez Louise.